from Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. In the middle of a growing national conversation about sexual harassment and consent, the federal government launched a campaign on respectful relationships for young people. The campaign was widely criticised by experts and advocates, including former Australian of the Year Rosie Batty, who say it ignores their advice and research. They're also concerned that it seems to have replaced another, more evidence-based and expertly produced campaign, which was shut down 18 months ago. Today, journalist for the Saturday paper, Christina Zuecker, on the question of whether the government's social conservatism is influencing sex education for young people. Christina, a couple of weeks ago, the federal government released a video about consent. Can you tell me a bit about that video and the backlash? Yeah, so um, it wasn't just a video, although certainly that did grab the headline. So it was a suite of resources badged the Good Society, um, included about 350 resources that the government said was to underpin the national rollout of respectful relationships education in schools. A digital agency called Liquid Interactive developed the website and the resources. They cost approximately $3.8 million to produce. And the resources included a number of videos that sought to teach young people about consent, um, but interestingly, not mentioning the word sex. To cross into the action zone, both people must agree. And yes, they did include that infamous milkshake video. Do you want to try my milkshake? Yes, I do. Uh, Which will probably now live in infamy as the most cringeworthy of the lot. Is it better than yours? You know, I think I prefer mine. It featured a girl smearing a milkshake all over a boy's face saying, drink it. Drink it all. What are you doing? Drink it all. This is what we call moving the line. The important thing to know is that they were near universally panned by pretty much every sex and relationships educator in the country. They're so problematic in so many ways. Um, First and foremost, they minimise the experience of rape trauma. All of whom said, look, we weren't consulted in the development of these resources, and had we been, we would have done things very, very differently. And I have less idea about consent after watching that video than I did have before. What makes the story of the Good Society quite interesting and the criticism that it's received interesting is that we know that more than 18 months ago, an alternative suite of respectful relationships education resources called The Line, which was developed by Our Watch, was pulled. Okay. Can you tell me about the line and what happened to it? So in 2015, the NGO Our Watch, which is uh, the National Foundation to Prevent Violence Against Women, and they launched the line. And the line is a primary prevention, social marketing, behavior change campaign that helps young people aged 12 to 20 negotiate healthy, respectful, and consensual relationships. 
It had really cool little animated videos tackling issues like toxic masculinity by promoting the message that there is no one way to be a man. Funniest or most embarrassing sexual experience you've ever had? The most embarrassing thing you've done slash said on a date. The most inappropriate time. Or things like a series called Asking for a Mate, which aimed at demystifying sex for teens and encouraging safe conversations. Lucy. There was a really powerful campaign a few years ago called You Can't Undo Violence. <laughs> I tried to say I'm sorry. That was really aimed at communicating to young people, particularly potential perpetrators, the long-lasting impacts of their behaviour. And it won awards for promoting gender equality. But if you look at the website today, it says, thanks for visiting the line. We're offline for a little while. We'll be back soon. Okay, so the line, which was this much more direct campaign, which took on advice from sex education experts and advocates, it disappeared. Disappeared, went dark. And tell me how that happened. So in November 2019, the Brisbane-based tabloid, The Courier Mail, ran a story saying that the line was promoting sexting to 12-year-olds. The tabloid included really incendiary lines claiming that kids were being given, quote, state-sanctioned sexting tips, and that most were, quote, too raunchy for publication. The article included, interestingly, critical comments from the Australian Christian lobby, effectively saying that the topic of sexting should not be broached in schools. And it was all kind of a moral panic. Immediately, Anne Rustin, the Minister for Social Services, took action. So she ordered our watch to take it down. That was 18 months ago. So when the Good Society came out in April and was immediately subject to such criticism that it wasn't developed in partnership or in conjunction with experts and that it was in fact harmful, I thought to myself, I wonder whatever happened to the line that was in fact developed with experts and I thought to myself, I, I, gee, I wonder what happened to that. I think I'll ask the minister's office. So when I asked Anne Rustin's office what had happened to the line and why it had remained offline for so long, she essentially told me uh, variations of the theme, that it was our watch's choice to keep it offline for so long to review and refresh the campaign. Well, what we did was, to, uh, and in conjunction with our watch, um, was to actually assess all of the links that were on the um, online. And subsequent to that, the uh, our watch has taken it upon themselves to do a, a complete review of the site, also to update it and make sure that that they are absolutely happy. But documents I've seen tell a very different story. We'll be back in a moment. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. 
As a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Christina, we're talking about The Line, which was a program run by Our Watch, which was taken down 18 months ago. You've been delving into why that happened and why it's remained offline. Can you tell me about what you've uncovered? What is in these documents that you've seen? So I'll just lay out the facts of um, what the documents tell us. They tell us very clearly that Our Watch cannot take the line back online without ministerial approval and that that has not been forthcoming. What's more, the Department of Social Services instructed two external consultancies, the NAS Group and Latrobe, to conduct extensive reviews of both the line and Our Watch at a cost to taxpayers of $60,000 and $345,000, respectively. Now, the timing and circumstances of that Latrobe review has raised eyebrows among several sources I spoke to who say that they can't help but think or conclude it was deliberately designed to intimidate and silence our watch. One expert with knowledge of recent events told me that it had contributed to a culture of fear and effectively silenced this peak body at what is really a critical time. What we also know is that a year after the line was taken offline in response to that piece in the Courier-Mail, a brief was sent from the family safety branch of the Department of Social Services to Anne Ruston's office, effectively asking for permission to take the line back online. And here's the thing that really struck me is that it expressed concern about the added urgency of the pandemic environment, uh, saying that young people were spending more time at home, more time online, and therefore were more at risk. And during this time, Our Watch was receiving a significant increase from people who work on the front line of doing this work with young people saying, where are these resources? We need these resources. Get this back online as soon as possible. All the while, um, the ministers repeatedly claimed effectively that it was Our Watch's choice to keep it offline for so long to review and refresh the campaign. And so, Christina, what do you think is going on here? Why would the federal government not want a program like The Line to exist? A number of people I spoke to have a few different theories, and I probably have some of my own as well. I think it's fair to say it's partly a reaction to tabloid criticism and also to criticism from the kind of usual quarters who tend to whip up, you know, that kind of moral panic about sex and relationships, education. But it's also quite possibly about conservative social values around sex and relationships, education. How about we just have state schools that focus on things like learning maths, learning science, uh, learning English? How do you make that happen? I I remembered a few years ago that Scott Morrison, the prime minister, was quoted when asked why he chose his to send his daughters to private school, had said something to the effect of that this kind of content or this kind of relationships and sexuality education in schools made his skin crawl. He's 14. 
and she's interested in girls. She's not sure she thinks she might be a lesbian. And all this is going on in the classroom. Is that going to happen in classrooms under your prime ministership? Well, it's not happening in the school I send my kids to, no, and that's one of the reasons I, I send them there, and that's why I but they're not have, a public school. I, no, I understand that. They're in, they're in an independent um, Baptist school. One, one does of that those. stuff make your skin curl? Well, it, it does, Alan, for this reason. The value you can't help but conclude that there might be not only an assessment of the risk in the external environment and where that might come from, but also some deeply held conservative social values amongst some of our leaders who perhaps disincline them to support this work or might incline them to actively undermine this work. The values I have as a parent, that Jenny and I have as a parent, I mean, they're the value. That's where you get your values from. I don't want the values of, of others being imposed on my children in my school. And I don't think that should be happening in a public school or a private school. So it's curious that the Good Society has remained online despite so much backlash and backlash from the experts, while the line has remained dark despite 18 months of repeated attempts to get it back up and running as a resource. So the tale of the two respectful relationships campaigns and how the government has responded to the different types of criticism leveled at each tells us a lot about their approach and is very illuminating. Christina, what do those in the sector who've been fighting for more campaigns, like the line that explicitly address issues of consent and violence against women and are built in these partnerships with experts, what do they say about the approach that the government seems to be taking here. Several experts in the sector I spoke to, including Rosie Batty, told me that events at the line and the possibly ideologically motivated political interference at our watch is deeply concerning. And, you know, in an era where we have been so misinformed and having things, you know, come at us that we, we don't know whether how real they are or how truthful they are or how, what the evidence, you know, is. I think this is it's really critical that we, can, we have trusted resources that we can rely on. When Rosie Batty was Australian of the Year, she was a huge advocate for the development of respectful relationships education. And as an ambassador for Our Watch, she helped get funding and support for this work. She really sees it as her and Luke's legacy. This is where I think that, you know, whether it's ministers or governments getting interfering with progress is, is really concerning. We are clearly at a critical crossroads. We're about to have a Women's Safety Summit in July. We are about to develop and then fund the next iteration of the National Plan to Reduce Violence Against Women. The point that a lot of experts that I spoke to who are speaking out now and feel like they really need to speak out now and to sort of put a line in the sand and to say to this government that further, perhaps ideologically, but definitely politically motivated interference in this work will not be tolerated is that we need to back the vision of what the evidence tells us is effective and works. Christina, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. 
Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, Victorian contact tracers are tracking down hundreds of AFL fans who went to the Richmond versus Geelong game last Friday and then travelled on the same train as a man who's tested positive to COVID-19. Victorian health authorities believe the man acquired the virus in hotel quarantine in South Australia. And the death toll in Gaza continues to grow, with Palestinian health officials saying 35 people have now been killed in airstrikes conducted by the Israeli Air Force. The Israeli government said three people were killed from rocket attacks launched from Gaza. A 13-storey tower block in Gaza City was also demolished in an airstrike. The Israeli government claimed it was being used by Hamas militants. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.